Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hi everyone, Sandman here. Today's video is brought to you by a donation from David, and this is what he had to say. Hi Sandman, thanks for making my last video. And I was wondering if you could make another one talking about false rape claims, the statistics regarding them, and the price men pay who are falsely accused, even after they've been proven innocent, specifically here in the United States. Thanks David. The difference between what David wants me to do and what I've done in the past is to present a fact-based argument with regards to false rape statistics in the United States. The most important thing is to figure out the source of any stats that outline false allegations and to outline them in an unbiased way. The source I'm using in this video is actually an article from back in 2009 called Why It's Hard to Qualify False Rape Charges, How Often Do Women Falsely Cry Rape? One of the main reasons feminists get away with promoting the idea that there's a rape culture is because there are no stats to back up what they're saying, or stats to disprove what they're saying. It's essentially the obscurity and unavailability of information that allows feminists to say what they want without the men's rights movement proving them wrong. This lack of information, in this case, is like walking into a dark room filled with cockroaches. You don't know how many false allegations there are versus actual rapes. The actual rapes being cockroaches in this case, just so I don't piss off any feminists. According to this article, there were about 200,000 rapes in 2008 in the United States. So assuming that violent crimes, including rape, have continued to trend down, today there would be about 180,000 to 200,000 rapes in 2014, with about 20,000 of them being false allegations. And we are not including the statistics for male rape in prisons here. Susan Brown Miller wrote a book back in 1975 called Against Our Will, Men, Women, and Rape. In her book, she says that she interviews female police officers in New York City's Rape Squad, and those are the stats that she got. But those are not cold, hard statistics. On the other side of the coin, we have a male author, Philip Rumney, and he claims this 2% statistic isn't accurate. And he says the false allegations make up about 40% of the cases of rape charges being laid. His data is based on the work of E.J. Kanan in the Archives of Sexual Behavior. Here's a quote from the article that I'm referring to in the description. Kanan looked at 109 reports of rape with police in one small Midwestern metropolitan area for over a nine-year period. His pool was very small, and the police he studied always offered the victim a polygraph test perhaps signaling they doubted her veracity. And Kanan himself warns against generalizing from his findings. That's what the article basically says. 109 people is a very small cross-section of the population, and polygraph tests can be fudged, so I'm willing to split the difference and say that about 10-30% to 30 of rape allegations are actually false. It's simply impossible to know how many. And David, I wish I could give you a clear answer, because then we would have some hard data to present to feminists and they wouldn't be able to scream rape culture in our face if 30% of all rape allegations were actually fake. 
thinking about this is getting me to think that feminists like to build their arguments using crimes and situations that are hard to quantify. If you can't put the numbers to a crime, then you can claim that a crime is being committed, even when it's not. But I honestly don't know about this. There are grown men out there that come to the police 30 to 40 years after they've been molested by men, so I'm not sure how much validity I give to this time delay with regards to rape. In many cases, the police tend not to believe women if a lot of time has transpired between the supposed day of the rape and the day the rape charges are being brought to the attention of the police. By this logic, police are less likely to believe a woman that reported a rape a week or two after it supposedly happened but they will still take a man's sexual molestation case seriously 30 years after it happened. I know that it sounds like I'm making a great argument that some feminists can use for their own cause. This is yet another statistically unproven situation that they can add to their bag of tricks. But this just popped into my head right now, so I decided to bring it up anyways. And then we have to take into consideration that some rapes are never reported, so the figure of about 10 to 30 percent being false can easily be dropped to about 5 to 20 percent. And wouldn't you know that police studies in New Zealand and Canada have pegged false rape allegations around 8 to 10 percent. Again, no one knows for sure. So trying to nail down the facts is an impossible task. Now I want to get into a little bit of personal information and a personal journey. The first time I found out about rape was during an episode of Matlock. I remember watching a woman getting beaten and raped on that show by a group of soldiers. After that, she went to the hospital to get cleaned up, and then she spoke to Matlock to take on her case. The show completely sickened me, and I couldn't believe what the soldiers had done. And I remember thinking to myself that she was the victim, and they were the predators. And this was almost 30 years ago, and I still see it vividly like it was yesterday. After seeing this, just the thought of the word rape would bring up the images that I had seen on Matlock all those years ago. So after watching that, even mentioning the word rape would conjure up extremely negative images in my head, and rightfully so. And I can only imagine how many other young men watch that same show and still feel that gut-wrenching feeling in their stomachs. And then to think that women are capable of lying about rape, and that an allegation might not be true, seems like pure evil. After all, I had been psychologically conditioned to think that a man raping a woman would have Andy fucking Griffiths on their ass, ringing him through the justice system. How much more deterrent can one person ask for? With regards to my own experience with the whole idea of rape culture, I've only ever known one man that was accused of rape here in Canada. As you know, I like to work a personal angle into my videos. When I was in university, one guy had a false rape allegation thrown at him after the girl he slept with sobered up and regretted sleeping with him in the campus dormitory. He was in my first year undergrad class, and because of the allegation, he lost all of his friends and credibility, and no one would talk to him for the next four years. You can imagine how the women in my university looked at him after that. I could literally see daggers coming out of their eyes. Their body language screamed out that they were both afraid and uncomfortable. These were the same women that only a few days before the allegation were comfortable hanging around with him. They were hanging out at the local campus pub and having drinks with him at least a couple times a week. Then when they heard the news from him, of all people, that he was being investigated by campus police for alleged rape activity, they ran off like the Roadrunner in the Warner Brothers cartoons. And he looked like Wile E. Coyote suspended in midair over the Grand Canyon. Everyone around him was gone, except for a handful of guys, including myself. We were cautious at first, and were probably going to bail 
as we found out what was actually going on, and if he was actually a rapist. The police didn't find any evidence, and she ended up dropping the charges. But it was enough to destroy his social life and paint a large target on his back for the next four years of his life in school. He was a guy that was a crude, boastful, and obnoxious loudmouth to begin with. But that wasn't reason enough to destroy his reputation. And his case taught me that false rape allegations are easier to believe if the targeted person has a big ego and acts out impulsively to begin with. Then it's no stretch to consider him a rapist, because he's already considered an impulsive jerk in many people's eyes. But what about his accuser? What happened to her? Well, nothing, of course. So she effectively turned the legal system against him, a man who had essentially done nothing. She victimizes herself, and he ends up becoming the real victim in this particular case. Anyways, I'd like to end today's video talking about some more personal issues about my videos here on YouTube. As I'm sure many of you know, last week someone took some pot shots at me here on my YouTube channel, and yesterday my channel was criticized and attacked once more. I had a big smile on my face when I heard the attacks because I understood that the best form of flattery is actually criticism. And all I have to say is that you guys, my viewers, came to the rescue. And I'd like to read some of the things people have said in my defense. I don't want to bash anyone, so instead I'm choosing to focus on the positive comments that men, other men, going their own way, have put up protecting me in this particular situation. This is the first comment from Boo. I would say that Sandman's red pills are easier to swallow, when sometimes some videos of these big thinkers can scare potential MGTOW away from our support groups. That is probably fine if you want to keep this lifestyle for intelligent elites only. But I think that would be short-sighted and selfish even, and people aren't satisfied listening to only one voice. They will find Stardusk and Barbarossa, and I think it's quite stupid to start arguing these issues. Here's another comment from Entity and Me, and this is what he has to say. Sounds like someone has a sore ass over Sandman's subscriber numbers in a short period of time, and the fact that people willingly pay him. I say more power to him. If you guys want to bring about the direction and effect you ideally see with this movement, then do so. Focus on yourselves like grown men going their own way should do. Anyways, it means a lot to know that there are a lot of level-headed guys out there willing to move against the status quo. And to the MGTOWs that criticize me, I say go out and start producing the videos you want to see. And grow the movement, be the change that you want to see. And if you don't want to be that, then that's fine as well. In the past, I've attempted to reach out to many other MGTOW video producers, and I was simply ignored. Now you're attacking me. They help me to get out the angst I feel about the relationships that I once had with women as well as a place to share my personal experiences and stories, as well as the experiences of others. Perhaps we can all meet somewhere in the middle and produce content that has great theory, as well as great action to it. I'm reaching out to you guys with an olive branch. Will you take it? Anyways, thanks again to David for his donation, and thanks to everyone for watching this video and taking your daily dose of red pills. Enjoy the rest of your day, and cheers.